0: How many of you have a cell phone? Okay, pretty much everybody. Your cell phone, as you know, is capable of doing some really amazing things. I hope you know that. You can use your phone to call somebody, maybe who's across the world, and you can talk to them in real time from wherever you are and wherever they are. Your phone can go and be used as a compass. If you're lost, there's maps on it. There's a flashlight on it. If you're math impaired like me, there's a calculator on it. Your phone has the capability to connect to this thing called the internet. Ever heard of it? And you get to on the internet research and learn about and explore a whole wealth of information that's like 10 times more than you could ever learn in one lifetime. Your phone can do all of that. Your phone, in a way, is nothing special. It's a hunk of metal and plastic. But there's something in the phone that powers it to be able to do all of that. It's called a microchip or a microprocessor, if you're more technical about it. Basically, the little mini computer in your phone makes all of that stuff possible. And so is the case with all kinds of technology and electronics these days. Anything electronic pretty well has a microchip or microchips in it, whether it's your car, my car's really old. It might not have any microchips in it, but some of your old cars will have microchips in them, right? Uh, your TV, your laptop, your tablet, cash registers, right? The whole thing, all of these things have microchips in them. And what's really neat about microchips is that they're, well, micro, I guess. They're really, really small. They've come out with microchips in today's day and age that are smaller than a grain of rice, but have computing power that would blow your mind, Something so small can have so much power and can be capable of doing so much. Somebody's like, I didn't even know my phone had a flashlight. Well, it probably does. You're welcome. (laughs) This reminds me, of course, of something that we read about in the scriptures. Something that's really small, might seem really insignificant, but can have a tremendous and a profound effect on your life. It's your words. You ever read that in the scriptures? It says in the book of James that the tongue is the smallest member of the body, but it boasts of great things. One spark of it can set all forest on fire, right? You've read this. Our words are like that. And it says in Proverbs chapter eighteen, verse twenty-one. Here's how powerful your words are. It says that death and life are in the power of the tongue. The same tongue. Your words. One person. Your words have the power of death and life. Your words have the power to build up or tear down. Your words have the power to heal or to harm. Your words have the power to begin, say, a relationship or end or ruin one. Your words have the power to inspire people or enslave people. Your words are super powerful. Yes, yours. Yes, mine. Your words. And before we go any further, I want to just remind you this morning, we say this a lot around here, God has a life for you. Turn to your neighbor and tell them God has a life for you. God loves you. God is for you. God created you. He cares for you. He cares about every part of your life. And He has and desires a whole life for you. He, He desires for us to be close to Him, walking with Him, right? uh, Getting our identity from him, living every moment with him, talking to him, all these things, relationship with him. And when you have this life with Jesus that he desires you to live, man, it's a good life. Not everything that happens in your life will be good, but he is good. It's a powerful life. It's a fulfilling life. It's meaningful. It's worth living. And your words are a part of that life. Like the life that Jesus has for you involves every area of your life. It's not here's my church life and my Jesus thing over here and then I got my words and all kinds of other stuff. No, it's all supposed to be under the umbrella of Jesus. And our words, again, can have a profound effect in this life for God's glory, for other people's good, for our own good. But let's be really honest. It's hard to get it right all the time, isn't it? How many of you have ever said something dumb before? How many of you have said something dumb this weekend? Maybe this morning? Something that, you regret, something that you wish, as soon as it came out, you could just reel the fishing reel back in and it would come back? I wish it worked that way. But it doesn't. It's hard to get this one right. So what we need in our words is wisdom. Somebody say wisdom. Wisdom. We have been talking about wisdom for a number of weeks now. We've said that wisdom is the ability to apply the knowledge that you have to your life. You don't just know it, you you make use of it. Wisdom is knowing what needs to be done, knowing how it needs to get done, and when and with whom it needs to get done, and then you follow through and you do it. Or in this case, wisdom with our words is knowing what needs to be said, knowing what needs to not be said, Hello, I, I only heard men amen on that one when I said that. What's going on, boys? It's knowing to whom to say that thing and when the right time is to say it and then, of course, following through and saying it or not saying it. That is wisdom with our words, so buckle in. First thing I want to explore today is a principle from Scripture about our words. And the principle is this. God wants us to be slow to speak. Somebody say slow to speak. It says in James chapter 119, let every person be slow to speak. Now, that doesn't mean you need to talk really, really slowly, because that just annoyed me, right? It just means that You gotta have a filter. You gotta be able to press pause and think a little bit before you speak. God doesn't want our default reaction to be as soon as we feel something or think we feel something or sense something, we just launch right in and shout something out and holler something out or cuss somebody out before thinking about it. Be slow to speak. Now here's what's cool about this principle of being slow to speak. That's always God's will for you. You might not always know what to say. You might not always know immediately how to respond to that person. But what you always know is that God wants you to be discerning in the way you speak. Be slow to speak. I got a bunch of scriptures from Proverbs here that say the same thing. Proverbs eleven twelve says, a man of understanding, that's a person of wisdom, remains silent. Pause on that. That doesn't mean that sometimes if there's something that needs to be said, oh, I better be silent. No, sometimes you gotta speak up. Sometimes you got to use your words. Sometimes you can't remain silent. What this is meaning though is that a wise person knows when to remain silent. Proverbs 13:3 Whoever guards his mouth I'm picturing like a cage over my mouth, which I have needed many times. Whoever guards his mouth preserves his life. Proverbs 15:1 A harsh word stirs up anger. That word harsh that's not just about your tone, that also is your timing. You can just answer someone super harshly, super sharply, just unnecessarily jumping the gun, being quick to speak. And that stirs up anger. Proverbs 16:23, "The heart of the wise makes his speech judicious." Right, judicious. You're selective, you're careful about what you say if you're wise. Proverbs 18:6, "A fool's lips walk into a fight, and his mouth invites a beating. That's ministering to somebody. Okay, but we've all seen that, right? It's that painfully awkward, the person that just doesn't know when to stop or when to shut up, and they just need to get the last word in. It's like you're foolish if you do that because you're gonna just get yourself hurt. You might literally get beat up. Okay, Proverbs twenty-one twenty-three: 23, whoever keeps his mouth, right, guards his mouth and guards his tongue keeps himself out of trouble. Very simple. Proverbs twenty nine twenty. Do you see the man who is hasty in his words? Too quick to speak. You just launch into stuff that you shouldn't say. I like this. There is more hope for a fool than for him. In other words, it doesn't even say what your name is and what your title is if you do that, but you're worse off than a fool, okay? I think as people of God, we wanna do a little better than being worse off than a fool, okay? Agreed? You could say to all of this, Brayden, you just simply don't understand. You don't understand my life. You don't understand my personality. You don't understand the idiots I'm surrounded with constantly. Oh. No, I won't say it, it's offensive. <laughs> you don't understand. What's that? Bite your tongue. Bite see I bit my tongue. I'm doing it. Oh, thank you God. Okay. You say you don't understand. Man, you don't, you don't understand how angry I get. Okay, look, yes, I understand that the world can be a really frustrating place and sometimes what you wanna do is just go on a tirade. You wanna let loose. You wanna vent, you wanna go for it. Yes, social media counts for this, by the way. Uh-oh, social media, when you, this is a sidebar. When you share something or post something or like something or write something on social media, those are your words, okay? Your like button is a word. We wanna just launch into this stuff and I wanna go off on the people that are around me. Listen to me, I understand all of that but I also understand that it's not God's will for you to do that. God doesn't want you to just launch into a tirade. He doesn't want you to just mouth off at the first instinct. He wants you to be slow to speak. He wants you to think before you speak. You say, it's really hard and I say, yeah, maybe it is but guess what? If you're a Christian, you have the Holy Spirit and his power can work through you. Yeah, you might not be able to stop doing this, but he can help you. His power working through you. (coughs) The answer, pardon me, about our words is not, I just gotta try really hard to not say the wrong thing. Yes, you need to try. Your effort is, is required, but it's not just your effort. The answer is this. You need to get as close to Jesus as you can get, and as you sit at his feet and abide in him in a relationship with him, he's gonna change you. We've talked about all this. And as he changes you and he fills you with his spirit, one of the things you're gonna start to see in your life is the fruit of the spirit develop in your life. And I I remind you of some of the fruit of the spirit. Love. Think of that pertaining to your words. Peace. Joy. Patience. What about self-control? These are all, and there's others. This is the fruit of the spirit. This is what happens when you're filled with the spirit of God. God when you walk with God, so he can help you. Your words, what I'm trying to say, your words are not just a surface level issue. It's a spiritual issue. And Jesus wants to be involved in that part of your life. And he wants you to be slow to speak. I ought to be preaching to myself. I'm gonna sit right up here, face this way with you guys. Slow to speak. Now, let's keep rolling. If we go back to that first verse that we read, Proverbs 18:21. It says that death and life are in the power of the tongue. We've got to unpack both sides of that coin. Let's talk about the first bit, that death is in the power of the tongue. Some people, perhaps you, when you speak many of your words are either negative or they're destructive or they're harmful or they're cursing, not blessing, or they are counter to what God would have you say. You're not being slow to speak. You're lashing out. You're going on that tirade on social media, whatever it is. Maybe it's, maybe it's you use your words to just brag and boast about yourself. Maybe it's you use your words, you just swear all the time or you tell dirty jokes all the time. You just, you just waste your words throwing them around like they're cheap and they cost nothing. Here's what happens when we use our words the wrong way. I got four things. Number one is this. When you use your words the wrong way, a lot of times you look like a fool. I told you I was gonna offend somebody, right? Proverbs 10.8 says, a babbling fool comes to ruin. Notice those two words in there, babbling and fool, connected, connected connected when you just babble on when you just carry on when you just go on a rip and you don't think and you're just venting and lashing out or you're always complaining and you're always being negative and something's always wrong or whatever the case may be sometimes you know what the people around you are saying man what is wrong with this guy or girl like you don't see it right but if you're just negative or doing this all the time, people around you go, oh, man. Like, where's the off switch? You know it's true. Proverbs 10, 18, whoever utters slander is a fool. Slander is when you're talking smack about somebody else. Even if it's true. You, you don't need to say stuff like that. Some people go around, and that's all they love to do, whether it's gossip or they just they put people down, whatever. This is the person that doesn't know how to just keep it to themselves. My mom always used to say, if you don't have anything nice to say to somebody, don't say anything at all. I wonder why it is that she had to keep repeating that until I was about 27, right? When we're speaking like this, again, we never think this applies to us. We say, oh, everyone else looks dumb when they use their words wrongly, but I don't. I'm justified in it because, right, my life is hard, and, and remember the people I'm surrounded with? No, you're not the exception. You're part of the rule. A lot of times, you just don't see it, and everyone else sees it, but you look like a fool. I don't want that for you, I don't want that for me. The second thing that happens, when you use your words wrongly, you bring harm to yourself. You can hurt yourself. I, uh, I told this story to some of you, I haven't told it to all of you. Probably five years ago or so, uh, Lori and I went to a sea Dogs game with some friends. And we had these seats in the upper bowl right around center ice, you know, a ways up, and we're having a good time. And one of our friends left during the second period and came back with a pucks for everybody. You know about a puck? Some of you don't. They do this thing between the second and third period. a pucks are these little orange pucks. They're like the size of a regular hockey puck, but they're not really the same material kind of thing. And at the second intermission, everybody throws them onto the ice, and whoever gets the closest to the center ice dot wins a prize. And there's all these orange pucks flying through the air. I wonder how many people have been hit in the back of the head with a Chaka I don't know. Anyway, so he came back with chuck-a for all of us. They're like a couple bucks each. And I said, oh, thanks. You didn't have to do that. And here were my exact words. Not paraphrased. I said, if by some miracle of the Lord I win a I'll give you half the prize. Because the odds are really slim, right? It's just lock a lot of it, right? So the second intermission comes and they say, hey, everybody throw your Chaka And so we went down. We're still a ways from the ice. We went down to like the landing of the top stairs there. Through it, center ice is like lined up straight with me like this. My puck went like this. I'm not kidding. It's heading, it's sailing across the other blue line. I said to myself, if there's a prize for the furthest puck from center ice, I'll probably win. It's going to end up in the corner. But when it cleared the glass... Instead of landing like this and just sliding, it landed right on its end. And it started to carry back like this. And I said, oh, that's kind of neat. Like it totally flew, total luck. You can't, couldn't do that again if I tried. And it's rolling. I said, hey, that might end up pretty close. And I'm watching it. I said, that sucker's going right to center ice. And then it dropped and it slid literally. Not even I was a couple feet away but was the closest. It slid right into the center ice dot. And I said, Lori, 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 I just won. That's me, that's me. And she's like, are you joking me? And they call the number, and I say, look, it's my number. I just won. <clears throat> so we go down to guest services. <clears throat> I said, I won Chaka Puck, and I don't know what to do. And they handed me an envelope and said, congratulations. And I opened it up, There's there's 100 bucks inside. I'm like, I was, oh yeah, I was feeling good, right? And we're on our way back to our seats, and I'm floating, and Lori's walking. And she says, it's too bad you promised buddy 50 bucks or half the prize if you won. (laughs) (coughs) And being the righteous person that I am, my first instinct was, where's the loophole that I can get out of that thing that I promised, right? I said, oh, he'll know that I didn't mean it or I was just kidding or maybe he forgot. And Lori said, Braden, like, come on. She said, you said it. You clearly said it with witnesses. You gotta do it. So we climbed back up to our seats And there he sits, and he goes, hey, what'd you win? And I handed him 50 bucks, and I said, thanks for the chuck a (laughs) Now, tongue-in-cheek, I still came out of that okay. I still came out 50 bucks ahead of where I was. But you get the point, right? If I hadn't just spoken something dumb, it wouldn't have cost me like that. It can get a whole lot worse than that with our words, too. If you... Use your words wrongly. Not only can you hurt yourself, you will hurt yourself. It's not a matter of if, but when. Look at this again. Proverbs 10:8: "A babbling fool will come to ruin." See that? You'll be ruined. Proverbs 10:19: Where words are many, transgression, wrongdoing, stupidity is not lacking. Proverbs 12:13: "An evil man is ensnared, captured by the transgression of his lips. Proverbs 13:3, he who opens wide his lips, right? You're flapping your jaws, you don't know when to stop, he comes to ruin. <clears throat> Proverbs 14:3, by the mouth of a fool comes a rod for his back. That's clearly saying if you use your words wrongly, you're tossing your words around like they're cheap. You're not doing stuff to build up but tear down. You're wasting your words. It's going to catch up to you eventually. This is true in two regards. Number one, For anyone who is not a Christian, who does not belong to Jesus, what happens is we sin in any number of ways, perhaps with our words, and that sin is now on us and where God is, sin cannot be. And so when you get to the end of your life, if you don't know Jesus, even if you only said one bad thing ever in your life and never sinned in any other way, there's sin in your camp and you're unrighteous before God because of that. So yes, it's true in that sense and you'll be cast out and condemned. But it's also true in a here and now sense as well. It isn't just talking about the next life. It's gonna harm you in this life too if you use your words foolishly. You're gonna say something that costs you. You're gonna say something that offends somebody. You're gonna say something that gets you into trouble. You're gonna say something that damages or ruins trust or a relationship. It's not if, it's when. You gotta be so careful with your words. Number three, what happens when you use your words wrongly is this, you cause harm to others. It would be bad enough if you just looked dumb and you caused harm to yourself, but it usually doesn't stop there. When you use your words wrongly, you're gonna cause harm to people who are all around you. This verse right here, Proverbs twelve eighteen, this just nailed me this week. Just the imagery in this. Rash words are like sword thrusts. You think it's something cheap, it's nothing, but really it's this. And you're going back in like this. Sword thrusts that pierce people. They hurt people. I don't know who it was that said sticks and stones will break my bones, but words will never hurt me. I think they were very wrong. Just super wrong. Your words damage people. Sword thrusts. Proverbs 17, 9, he who repeats a matter, that's talking about gossip. Yes, it's wrong. That thing that you said Oh, okay, sidebarring. This is a prayer request. Can I just tell you about this? Sometimes that's gossip, okay? Don't do it. Don't talk out of school about somebody. Would you like them doing that to you? Probably not, okay? Unsidebar, getting off my soapbox there. He who repeats a matter, gossips, separates close friends, whether that's your relationship with a person or you ruin someone else's relationship with someone else your words your cheap wasted poor words can ruin that can just ruin it Proverbs 26:28 a lying tongue hates its victims a flattering mouth that's like insincere flattery works ruin You guys get the point here, right? Your words, your negative, harmful, foolish, too quick words have a profound effect on the people around you. And I wish that I could say I've only seen this once or twice. I've seen it a lot. In fact, I've dealt with it in my own life. Some people, maybe some of you guys, have been just crippled by someone else's words. Someone has spoken something to you or over you. Maybe when you were a kid and you've been just being dragged down by that and wearing that for years. You've been held back immensely because that person said, whatever, you're too dumb or you're ugly or you're fat or you're stupid or you're not gonna be amounting to anything or you're not loved or whatever the case may be, fill in the blank. Your words have a profound effect because death is in the power of the tongue. And the fourth thing that happens when you use your words wrongly is this. You reveal the condition of your own heart. Like, again, we think words are a surface-level issue. Oh, I just said that. It didn't mean anything. I was just joking. It was, oh. No, actually, it says something about your character. It says something about what's happening in here, what comes out of here. Proverbs 12, 6, The words of the wicked lie in wait for blood. In other words, there's evil underneath the surface. You hear the words, but what's underneath that is evil and wickedness. Proverbs 16, 26, a worthless man plots evil and his speech is like a scorching fire, right? It hurts people. You see that he plots evil. It starts in here, comes out here. Perhaps most poignantly of all, this is one of those Jesus mic drop moments. Matthew twelve thirty four: Jesus said, out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks That is so, so accurate and so deep and so rich. It's not just what's coming out of here. The origin is here. What comes out of here, particularly when you're using words you shouldn't use, speaking to people the way you shouldn't speak, wasting your words, being cheap with your language, what that shows is that, hey, You're a small person or you're a cruel person or you're an insecure person or you're a jealous person or you're a wicked person. Your words are that profound. Here's the point. There are consequences to wasted, cruel, crooked, wrong speech. And I would ask you, Like, is that the kind of life you want to live? Is that really, really what you want your life to be like? Is that really the fruit you want to see? When you pop open the hood of your life, what you see is all of these horrible things that you said and and you've ruined people with them and you're not doing anything to contribute positively with your words. You're just honestly being a jerk. Is that the kind of legacy you want to leave? When you get to the end of your life and you look back on it or other people are at your funeral and they're talking about you, do you want your legacy to be, wow, look at the trail of destruction I left because of the foolish things that I said? I would think not. I would think that we would want better than that for ourselves, especially as people of God. Amen? Amen. Let's flip it around, though. Yes, there is death in the power of the tongue, but equally true is the fact that there is life in the power of the tongue. Life, like God again has a life for you, full, meaningful, worth living life and your words can be a part of that. Your words can be used to make a difference, positively, maybe eternally with people. Your words can be used to glorify God and build up others around you and benefit yourself. You say what words are those? Well, the Bible's not like super prescriptive on that. It says in Ephesians 4:29 that we ought to speak whatever is good for building up and whatever will give grace to those who hear. Isn't that a great verse? Whatever is good for building up and whatever will give grace to those who hear. These are words of blessing, words of peace, words of life. That would be called like the gospel. Hello? That would be like words of encouragement, words of forgiveness, words of love, words of truth. All of these things are good and godly as Christians for us to be speaking. So here's what happens when we use our words rightly. Yes, it can be done. Yes, you can do it. Proverbs twelve eighteen says, the tongue of the wise brings healing. There's harm that's been done. Maybe you were involved in it, maybe you weren't. I don't know, but the tongue of the wise, when you use your speech rightly for God-honoring good, it brings healing. Harm was done, but your words can mend that. God's power working through your words can mend that. Proverbs 15.1, a soft answer. That doesn't mean you have to say everything like this because that's weird. But a gentle answer, thank you, a thoughtful answer, a godly answer, turns away wrath. So there's hostility in your life. There's conflict. But when you can say the right thing, sometimes the right thing is this, hey, I'm really sorry. That has a profound effect. It turns away wrath. Maybe you've got drama in your life. A wise word can change that. Powerful just to make sure this is sinking in, I'm talking about your words can do this. You, your words can do this. I love this one, Proverbs 15:4, A gentle tongue is a tree of life. I love that. A gentle tongue, someone that uses their words for God honoring good is a tree of life. It gives life to everyone around it. You picture a big tree somewhere. The birds make their home in its branches. The leaves do that whole carbon dioxide, oxygen thing that's way above my head to understand, but that's science. Fruit grows at the end of the branch. You can have a picnic in the shade underneath. It gives life to everything and everyone around it. And I have seen this to be true in my life. I could stand up here and give you 50 examples or 100 examples, but I can remember just here's one. I can remember, when I was a kid, we used to have Sunday school, like before the service in those days. Anybody remember Sunday school? Yeah? And I'm like 10 years old, probably, and go to Sunday school, and I remember my teacher, who is still around, this person is here today, I will not single them out, because they will be very angry at me. That would be a foolish word to speak, right? (coughs) Uh, My Sunday school teacher mailed me a card in the mail. Not even just, oh, I happened to see you on Sunday, here you go. Took the time out of her schedule to mail it. Wrote a nice card out, and it said something to the effect of this. I don't remember the exact words, but it said, "Braden, really glad you're in my Sunday school class. It's really awesome to have you there. Just words like that. There were three or four sentences on there. And I can remember as a 10-year-old kid, well, first of all, I was just excited to get something in the mail because that didn't happen very much. (laughs) But I melted. I didn't even think I needed that. I wasn't like, oh, in Sunday school, I'm just wishing someone will, will acknowledge my presence. I thought I was fine. But when I read that, man, it did something in here at the soul level. And I felt like I didn't, even, I didn't even wrestle with this difficulty in my life, but I knew in that moment, like, wow, somebody loves me. Somebody cares about me. I mean, I always knew that about my family, but someone outside my family actually gives a rip that I've shown up for something. My presence there actually means something to somebody. It had a profound effect. Well, that was like 20 years ago, and I still remember it. It had a profound effect, and I've been blessed. Other people in the church that have spoken encouragement to me. I hope the same is true for you. People have just encouraged and spoke blessing and spoke peace into my life, and it makes a difference. You know why? Because it's a spiritual issue. Your words are not just surface level. They're spiritual level. Something powerful, spiritual, something of God happens when you use your words the right way. It's his power working through the things that you say. This is like, again, if you speak the gospel to somebody. Like, when you speak the gospel to someone, it's not your words that are saving them. It's not your power that's saving them. Forget it. You're the messenger. But when you speak those words of life, God does something by his spirit in that. That's something we need to be doing for sure. When you exhort or encourage somebody, when you speak peace and blessing to someone, like, their quality of life is affected. Like that's huge, you get to make that kind of difference. Like is this sinking in today? You, you can't control how they'll respond, of course. You might say the nice thing, the godly thing, the thing of blessing, and it might be like it runs into a brick wall and doesn't go anywhere. Although sidebar, I think those words go further than we think they do sometimes. That person didn't even receive it, I don't even think they heard me. Oh, they probably heard you. They may not know how to communicate it back to you, but you've said it. Like, you've made that positive contribution. And that is amazing. <clears throat> it says in Proverbs 16, 24, gracious words, right, this kind of godly, God-honoring language, gracious words are like a honeycomb. There's sweetness to the soul and health to the body. You know what's cool about that? That's twofold. Yes, there's sweetness to the soul of the recipient, but guess who that can also apply to? The person that said it. Right? Yes, the words that you're speaking of blessing and peace and encouragement to people are mostly for them, but in part they're for you. Right, remember that out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. The mouth and the heart are connected. When you're saying this to someone, right? It does something in your heart. It's 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 definitely in part for you as well. There are some things that you need to say to people. Maybe they don't realize you need to say them, and when you say them, like, I'm sorry, or I need to just tell you about this thing, or whatever it is, like, you can get relief and release from that. And the other person said, well, I had that this week. I had that this week. Someone uh, said something to, uh, they said it to Lori, actually, and Lori didn't think anything of it. And the next day, we saw this person again, and they said, I was up all night. I need to tell you I'm sorry for what I said. Do you see that? Like, your words, it's partly for you. A word fitly spoken, Proverbs 25, 11, is like apples of gold in a setting of silver. You know what that means? Your words are valuable. They're worth something. You say, well, I don't know. It doesn't seem like much. That's not what God says. Say it. When you use your words for good, it brings glory to God. It builds others up. It enriches our own lives. Your words have great power It fosters healthy relationships that you actually want to be in. It promotes peace and joy and fulfillment in life. Do you want those things in your life? Your speech is intrinsically connected to those things. Don't forget it. Now, here's something I want to say. We're going to begin slowly winding this down. The Lord gave me a word to say to you guys about this subject this week. Nailed me with it. When we're talking about using your words in a good God-honoring way, life in the power of the tongue. Some of us don't say these words enough. Like in this room, in this group of people. Some of us don't say these words enough. And I'm not talking like, oh, you're out there using your words wrongly. You know You know what some people do? They're pretty good at not using their words wrongly, but then they end up in this neutral ground where they're not really positively contributing and they're not negatively contributing. They're just kind of in the middle here. Guess what? That's not wisdom. If you know you need to say something to someone that will build them up and will bring peace and blessing, it's great if you know that and you feel that, but if you don't say it, what good is it? What impact does it have? Honestly, it probably stresses you out because you're bottling it up inside and you're not saying it. We need to be especially as Christians, especially like since we know the power that our speech can have on people. We need to be people of courage. We need to be people of boldness who just decide, you know what? I don't care if this thing that I have to say to that person seems weird. I don't care if it seems like it's out of place. Make a place. Seriously, carve out the space. Just do it, say it. You have people in your life who aren't Christians who need to hear the gospel. You need to say it. There's no two ways about it. Yes, pray for an opportunity and pray that you know, the Lord will soften their heart and all that stuff, but you need to say it. It doesn't do, there's too many Christians. This guy right here sometimes, there's too many Christians that have the knowledge that people out there need the gospel and they don't act on it. Foolish, foolish. We gotta get over that, church. We gotta get over it. But even in addition to that, you, I know there are people in this room right now who have something important to say to someone else, something for good, something for blessing, something for peace, and you're not saying it. Maybe it's to your spouse. Maybe it's to your kids. Maybe it's to someone in the church that you have a beef with. I don't know. I don't need to know. The Holy Spirit will work that out in you you have something that you need to say. Say it. Don't wait for the perfect opportunity because you've probably already been given 25 of them and you were too chicken to do it. Just say it. Best case scenario, you say what needs to be said. The other person receives that and it's reciprocated and y'all move on, great, and, and it's awesome, praise the Lord. But even if you say it and it goes nowhere, it's still good for you. I know there are people in this room. This is what the Lord is after you to do today. I want to especially single out the men. Women, this applies absolutely to you. Men, you have a special role in your home and in the church. You have a special role in your household. Yes, the people that live with you, they're their own independent people. But listen, men of God, you need to speak up. You need, you need, you need, you need. Man, you need to tell your wife, I love you and I'm praying for you. And actually pray for her out loud. You need to say to your kids, I love you. I'm proud of you. You're special to me. There should be zero excuse for kids growing up in the church and their parents never told them that. Zero excuse. It happens, I know, and I'm I'm gonna get to that. But men, let's step up. And especially because, men, we've bought into this lie that silence is strength, right? Sometimes it probably is. But we have this thing of I'm a man's man and I don't speak up and my grandpappy never told me he loved me and he was the manliest man. Who came up with that garbage? Probably the devil, that's who. You need to speak up. I don't care if you feel like it's weird. You need to speak up. Ladies, that applies to you too. But men, let's have it. Let's go. Come on. Imagine having a legacy. Remember we talked about our legacy of bad words before? Imagine this. If your legacy in your life, when you look back on your life, at the impact that you have, instead of looking back and seeing a trail of destruction in your wake, imagine looking back and getting to say, wow, I said everything that I needed to say to the people that were in my life. They know exactly how I feel about them. They know exactly where I stand with Jesus. They know exactly that I care for them. Imagine looking back and going, man, I got to bless and encourage these people. It's not even about you, but like imagine looking back and saying, wow, I got to pour into this person and make a difference. Isn't that way better than just messing things up and having your words just leave a dumpster fire of a mess? I should think so. So as we wrap up, I got three just quick things to share with you. Number one is this. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus, this is where it begins for you. This whole thing about your words, this is not some test of morality that, oh, if I just use my words right, God will have to be pleased with me. No, God's after your heart, and your heart is wicked and sinful above all things, the Bible says. You need to confess with your mouth, use your words, that Jesus is Lord. He loves you. He died for you to save you, to pay for your sins, to bring you to new life, to give you eternal life, and it starts by putting your faith and your trust in him and acknowledging and confessing him as your Lord and Savior, but you've got to speak that out. Whoever confesses with their mouth and believes in their heart that Jesus is Lord will be saved. That's what the Bible says. If you need to know more about that, come and see me. We're gonna have a couple of the leaders up here later to pray with you. If you would like that, by all means, come up. We'd love to hang out. Second thing is this. If you are here this morning and you have a current track record or a recent track record or maybe it's from long ago and it's still current of using your words that cause damage, listen up. If on your record right now is this record of of harm and damage and foolishness and wickedness and tearing others down and wasting words. Here's the good news. God has grace for you. That isn't just a churchy thing that we say. God loves you. God cares for you. And if you will repent of those foolish things that you've said, God will forgive you. He will fill you with his spirit. He will start changing you. And you can start getting to work on fixing some of these things. This is not in the least bit a word of condemnation. It's a word of invitation. If you will trust Jesus with your words, past, present, and future, he will do something with it. But you gotta trust in him. You gotta deal with it with him. And the third thing is this. I want us as the people of God. God wants us as the people of God to decide in our heart, you know what? I'm not gonna get it right all the time, but I want my words, I want the fruit of my lips to be my, using my words to speak life to people. A wise person would say, you know what, God has a life for me. My words are a part of it. I want to use them to make the most impact that I can and bring as much glory to God as I can because I know life and death are in the power of the tongue. So you trust Jesus with your words and you, you are led and guided by the Holy Spirit in your words. The, the wise person has this heart. It's a wonderful scripture from Psalm chapter 19. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Make a decision that that's gonna be your heart today. Make the decision that your words are gonna start counting for something today. God will use this. God will be honored. Others will be built up, and you will be benefited. But we gotta surrender our lives, our whole lives, including our words, to Jesus, our King.